You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 152. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum, a new year of The Local Maximum. Today, I have, I'm joined by Miriam today. Miriam, how you doing? Doing great. It's good to be back. Thanks you for helping me ring in the new year. Uh, Aaron will be back very soon, but uh, I'll just give him a break uh, break in the, in, the, in the first week of the new year. Uh, regardless of when we are recording this, it is now, uh, we're kind of traveling forward in time a little bit, and it is now the first week of 2021. So I feel really good about that. I don't know about you. You know, <laughs> 2020 feels good to be in the rearview mirror. Definitely. Yeah. Not yes. to say that this year is going to be easy, but once this comes out, oh yeah, yeah. But uh, we, yeah, we all know that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, as this goes out, this will be starting the first week of 2021. This is when my plan that week, in terms of the local maximum, is to just look at all the guests that I want to have this year and just start shooting out emails and what i would do in the past which wasn't really that good maybe it was okay was i would kind of be worried about emailing someone too big and wanting to write the perfect email and then ending up not doing it you know what i'm just gonna send like like 10 kind of whatever like good but not perfectionist emails to a bunch of really good guests and see what I get. And I'll do that the first week of 2021. And, you know, I'll have you on, I'll do a solo show, I'll have Aaron on. And by the time uh, I get uh, emails back and get some interest, I think we'll have some really good guests uh, on the lineup. I don't know who yet, but that's my plan. Sounds like a really good plan. Yeah, I think it's the best plan. No, maybe not the best plan I've ever come up with, but it's pretty pretty straightforward. (laughs) I mean, no, it's a good plan. It's not like a brilliant plan. But it's a good plan. Uh, Okay. So we are not slacking off today. (laughs) I can tell you about this. What did I say? We can't bullshit through this one. Uh, That's for sure. Uh, Because we've got. Yeah, because we've got some breakthroughs in. We're talking about some breakthroughs in mathematics. And it's actually, uh, it's sort of related to both of them are related to computing today. Yeah. Um, So. Uh, and I know you wanted to talk about some of these topics, so I'm excited to talk about it. We'll sort of um, see, we'll, we'll sort of stretch the limits of what we know and what we can explain. We're going to try the best we can, folks. But uh, today we're going to start talking about Ramsey theory. And also, it's, it's my understanding that um, uh, someone, um, I, I want to say some kid, he's 21 years old, <laughs> came up with uh, some new uh, uh, some new results in Ramsey theory as an undergrad, which is pretty impressive, isn't is not? Yeah, super super impressive. Yeah. So so first of all, most people listening don't know what Ramsey theory is. So tell us what that is. So Ramsey theory is a field of mathematics, um, part of combinatorics, that focuses on patterns in large structures like even even uh if you have randomly generated this large thing you can expect certain structures in it and that's kind of the the basis of ramsey theory so those structures i understand are like they're graphs they're like points and nodes right they can't they can be graphs um, oh they don't have to be the specific 
part of Ramsey theory that we'll be talking about today has to do with graphs, but they don't have to be. Um, Ramsey theory, there's there's aspects of it that are also around numerical sequences. So if hmm. you have like a uh, a bunch of numbers in a sequence, uh, doesn't matter what the numbers are, if you assign a certain color to each uh, to each number, Ramsey theory has taught us that there are certain patterns that you can expect once the that sequence gets large enough. Right. So there are certain um, there are certain things that must happen after a certain period of time. Yes. Yeah. What What do you make? So I always find it interesting, like the the phrase structure that we throw around a lot in mathematics. Like, what do you see as the essence of of structure? Like, what is a structure? Yeah, I feel like it's just a. It's one of those like words that you just throw throw out. I know. It just occurred to me. I've been using it for years. Yeah, it could be. I feel like it's just ways that we group numbers or group. Yeah. Group things could be together. Any way that we group data. So mathematical group because that is a separate mathematical structure. No, but like a structure and data is really any way we relate things to one another, which is really just like the nature of information. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and the and the nature of knowledge basically. Uh, So okay, so. Who is Ramsey? I assume that's a person. Yeah, so Ramsey theory is named after the mathematician Frank Ramsey. Uh, he's an English, or he was an English mathematician, um, but not just a mathematician. He was a philosopher, a mathematician, and an economist, uh, and made major contributions to all three of these fields before he died at the age of 26. Whoa. There's a lot of those, like uh, Galois is one that I, I know. Um, so yeah it's, a, yeah, it's amazing what you can, what, what some people do, like at such a young age. Yeah, what age. some people, what some yeah. people can do. Sorry, not me. At such a young age. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, well, you know, uh, um, it, 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 it's very rare. Uh, but, uh, it seems like, well, the, the, the other guy who we're, we're talking about today is also very young. So it seems like, uh, uh, it seems like well, now it makes me feel like I'm over the hill on some in my 30s. I don't know, <laughs> and for in terms of Ramsey theory, but uh, actually there are some results uh, like uh, well Graham's number I'll talk about in a little bit where I believe when Graham came up with that he was a little bit older. Um, so uh, what? Uh, uh, so okay, so what's what's your interest in Ramsey theory? When did you first hear about it, and in what context were you uh, interested in it? Yeah, um, I first heard about it in graph in a graph theory course in my undergrad. Um, so it was taught by my favorite math professor, John Mackey. And I think he brought it up because it was a, a personal interest. So he, when he was getting his PhD in math in 94, um, his PhD thesis was on Ramsey theory. And he actually used computers to find new um, lower bounds for a bunch of uh, what we what we call diagonal Ramsey numbers. Uh, and that's what this paper of... is also about. Yeah. Uh, so can you give an example of those? Like what would be an, a diagonal Ramsey number? Yeah. So we've talked about Ramsey theory. Uh, we haven't talked about Ramsey numbers yet. So yeah. a Ramsey number is, uh, it's kind of interesting because there's two numbers that come as input. So um, let me describe it. I'm going to describe it the way that John Mackey originally described it to us. Okay. Um, so let's say you're at a party. 
not a lot of math problems start this way, but let's say you're at a party. Yeah, now, but a lot of computer science problems start this way. It's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it usually ends up like sorting people into tables uh, or something like that, or or shaking hands. I don't know. This one, you know, graph theory. Yeah, I learned it, I learned about it in graph theory, so it's all about relationships. Yeah. So it doesn't say whether the people at the party will get along or have good conversations, but they do certain things. They do certain mathematical uh, handshakes to each other. <laughs> yeah, so. handshakes. At least they or know marriage. how to do that. Sometimes it's marriage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Ramsey number is okay. If we are at a party, either everyone, either uh, between two people, they're either total strangers or they've met before. Right. So the Ramsey, the, the diagonal Ramsey number for three means how big does the party have to be before you have a group of three people who either all have already met or are all strangers. Right. So it's, it sounds to me like you need both, uh, both requirements for it to be interesting. Because if you say, well, I want three people who have all already met, well, that could never happen. It could be that like no one in the world has ever met. And if if I want three people who are total strangers, well, it could be that that could never happen because it could be that everyone you've ever invite will all be total strangers to everyone else. Just all newborn. So, but if you have both of those requirements in there, like either you have a group that have all met each other, like say a group of three or a group of four or a group that's all total strangers to each other, then at some point, one of those is going to have to happen. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. And the answer is six. Once you have six, six people. For three and three. Yeah. For three and three, the answer gotcha. is six. You're guaranteed to have three total strangers or three acquaintances if uh if you have six people at your party that's interesting because you would think that um you know you would think you could set it up so that maybe everybody you know every group you kind of know one person and someone else is a stranger and so on and so forth you wouldn't think it would be guaranteed that there'd be a group of three that all know each other. But keep in mind, it's any group of three. So you as a party participant might not be in that group. Right, so, right. So, so there has to be kind of some way of, of doing that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay, interesting. So I'm guessing, just because I know the nature of sequences here, uh, when you move that three number up to four, five, six, that this thing grows pretty fast. Yeah, so we know that the Ramsey number for four is 18. Okay. And the Ramsey number for five is unknown. All that we know. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You would think like, okay, okay, five, you know, that's such a small number. We we yeah. certainly know this. At but least go to like 318 to like, I don't know, 1024 or something. Right, You know, right. that's a fast moving well, sequence. It is a small number. It's not, it's that, it's not that big of a number. So we know oh, that so the you, number yeah. is between... So we have bounds. We know the number is between right. 43 and 49. Wow. So it must be so hard to check these then. Exactly. Um, this is this uh, field has really um, it's really grown with the with computers like these. These checks have become uh, done via algorithms. Um, right. So if you, if you think about it, like you have 43 people at a party. Um, well, I don't know. Checking every group of five. 
Is that really that hard? It's not checking every group of five. It's the it's the edge, all the edges, like going oh. through all the possibilities for whether the person oh. knows each other or not. Oh, 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 yeah, all the possible graphs. So that's like yeah. Oh, that's like two to the forty third. Oof. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm sure. Well, two to the 43rd, you really can't do, but I'm sure there are ways, there are symmetries they could find to make that much smaller. Exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. So seems like fun math problem, but why, uh, can you give us an example of why there's like research into this? Uh, is this just sort of, uh, of pure interest or is there some kind of, uh, application? Yeah. I feel like there, there, there have to be some implications for having, um, for having the knowledge that for certain certain groups are going to be there, but I don't know what those are. Yeah, well, it certainly pushes uh, Ramsey theory certainly pushes uh, computer science research forward, and it's always very interesting to learn like where the uh, where the frontier of knowledge is right now. So, yeah. what is the most recent development uh, by I believe it's Sa and Sanway? Yes. So as you hinted at earlier, um, Sa is very, is very young. Sa is only 21 years old. And Sanway also is, I mean, they're, they're both recently graduated from undergrad. And when they made this discovery, they were undergrads at, at MIT. Um, and yeah, it kind of echoes Ramsey's own youth. Um, what's really impressive about it is that they're both they're both undergrads and the the this isn't the only discovery that they've made. They've they've published many papers together and formulated many proofs together um, that are kind of pushing mathematics forward to the point where if they had a PhD, like they have done professor level work as undergrads. Right. Yeah. That is pretty impressive. So, uh, can can what what can you tell us about the thing that they came up with? Like, is it something yes. we can kind of grasp? So they have come up with a an upper bound formula for any diagonal Ramsey number. So okay. if you input, if you say like a uh, Ramsey number n, where n is some number, uh, they have they have a formula for an upper bound that is better than any other. Uh, than the the previous formula for the upper bound, and right, not right. only that, but their specific formula is it 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 has pushed the boundary. It's like pushed the bounds of what the what is possible to do with the current uh, focus of research. So if you were to make a better bound, you would have to use a totally different approach to developing the formula than what has been used before. What kind of bound is it? Is that something we could even get into or is that is that going to be hard to like hard to like state in the audio format? Like is it it's, something It's going to be hard to state, you know, it's, right, right. it's uh... So it's not like it's not like hey, uh, the the diagonal Ramsey n is like no larger than n squared or so well we know it's bigger than No, n no, it's an exponent but, uh, yeah. of e like it's e, okay. e to the something but yeah, right, it's right. not it's not so easy to say it over audio. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll try to post links to that on localmaxradio.com slash 152. Uh, anything else that um, you could say about this? Uh, for me, like, I was super excited about this because 
Ramsey theory. I, I just find it very beautiful just to, I feel like math, um, math can teach us so much about the world. And like, this is something where we know there, there's just patterns and randomness, like even in the most random things, there are patterns. Something um, has to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So for me personally, when this came out, I was, it, it, it struck me because I've always thought Ramsey theory was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this reminded me of uh, a, a concept in, in graph theory. I think it's related to uh, Ramsey theory called Graham's number. And what I really like about that number is that um, well, you, you always have you know kids fight over who could come up with the largest number uh, until you come up with like uh, infinity. Oh, yeah. Infinity plus one. But if you don't allow infinity, then you could keep on making up larger and larger numbers. But for a time, Graham's number was... Uh, the largest number ever found. Obviously, you could always come back with Graham's number plus one, but you know, with the rule that it has to be like legitimately useful for something. Yeah. Um, and Graham's number is so enormous that it can't be, you know, represented as a uh, as a number as we normally would. It can't even be represented by um, uh, by a scientific notation. Um, which so uh, you, you'd think that most physical constants most m most things we want to measure in the physical world can be measured by scientific notation yeah, um, yeah. even when you're talking about sets of things still uh, mm -hmm. but sometimes in the mathematical world you you really go beyond that you need something called ackerman functions which is you know related to computations just really really not even complicated uh programs but just programs that use a lot of uh loops and recursion to um to try to get it so that this machine, you, you could actually write a very short program that uh, counts up to a very, very astronomically large number. It will never get there, but like you could write a program that does that. And so uh, Graham's number has to be kind of um, uh, expressed in, in that way. But the, uh, the problem that it's talking about is actually pretty simple. I, you know, my, uh, my understanding of it is that you take a a hypercube. All right, people are already going to say hypercube. That's already uh, blowing my <laughs> mind here. But no. But if you think about it, um, the, the the sides of a hypercube. Think of like a, um, uh, you know, think of like a, a binary digit, like one zero zero one zero one zero one zero whatever. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and let's say there are like thirty digits. That's a thirty. That's a that's a vertex on a thirty dimensional hypercube. And then, as you change one digit you're moving along the sides of the hypercube. So you could kind of, um, if you change uh, two digits in a hypercube, if you flip them back and forth, you could kind of form a square, right? Okay. And so uh, basically what Graham's number says, and so if you if you imagine like just a three-dimensional hypercube, like which is just a, a cube, you know, a square could be the face of a cube or you kind of cut through the cube diagonally and you get like, two points on, on two opposite sides. Uh, but um, really what you're going to do is you're going to look at all of the different, uh, you know, all the different vertices in that hypercube, and you're going to color them either red or blue. And um, essentially one of those square slices is going to have to be either all red or all blue as soon as the the hypercube gets huge, or if you like to think of it as the number of bits, the number of, of digits gets really, really huge. Turns out <laughs> the upper bounds that Graham came up with, the best he could do is Graham's number, which is this huge, 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 huge thing. Um, 
which is pretty crazy. Like you'd think once you state the problem, and I know probably all you listening don't, uh, you know, if this is the first time you've heard it, you might want to go and 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 kind of look it up. But it, it it's simple enough where you're like, okay, this should be a simple number. Like, okay, if it's not twelve, maybe it's a thousand. But no, it's this crazy number, and uh, <laughs> that's uh, and and it's really always interesting when uh, and rare when a number of that enormous complexity is uh is actually used in a real world problem like that that's simple i mean maybe yeah. you can make up a complicated problem yeah not, i feel like you know. a lot of times in math um like instead of having a number like this like you would just improve you would just uh prove that it wasn't infinite you you would right. it would be like a yes no not a like Yes, and it's because it's this number or less. <laughs> you wouldn't right. have like a, a bound this big. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the actual number, which I don't think they found yet, is is much smaller than Graham's number. Yeah, of course. But, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, no. Not only can you prove it's not infinite, but he he does have a bound. <laughs> he does have a bound. <laughs> so, and and I suppose it's just constantly taking. I I I don't even want to speculate on what that you know how he got to that bound, but obviously you know I, the way I imagine it is is just saying okay, take every possibility here, take every possibility there, and then when they all kind of line up in in almost a, a program, it approximates this crazy recursive uh, recursive thing. If that uh, if that makes any sense, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to try a third story that is going to blow your mind just to start off this year with like a, uh, uh, well, well, the, I, I think we're having trouble kind of wrapping our heads around this. I know I am. I, so, I definitely uh, am. You're yeah, not yeah. alone, Max. <laughs> All right. So, so, you know, we're, we're going to start to, I'm not starting 2021. I could go talk about something that like Bayes rule again, that I could do like, you know, I know like the back of my hand, as they say, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're not starting with that in 2021. We're, we're really trying to push the limit here. Uh, okay. So um, it's this, uh, another breakthrough that has occurred in the theory of computation. And this time it has to do with quantum computers. Now, uh, I don't know. So, uh, first of all, there's the famous problem P equals NP. And I feel like I'm a little bit more, that's not quantum computers, that's regular computers. I feel like I am a little bit more comfortable with explaining that. So, why don't I try that first? You could correct me if I, if you, or, or like, you know, tell me if uh, you have a better way to explain. It. Yeah, embellish. But uh, we'll, we'll start with that because that I so, have a pretty good idea in my mind of what it is. So, P is programs that, first, first of all, not everything is computable. That's one interesting fact of uh, computer science is that there are some problems that are real problems that uh, have real answers, like they could be yes or no, that um, literally you can, can prove that it's impossible to build a uh, a machine or essentially a computer program that, that does that. Um, the, the most famous one being the halting problem. It's not just the most famous one. It's, it really is, you know, you use the halting problem as the proof kind of. Yeah. Um, but uh, basically to determine if any other, you want to write a program that reads another program uh, uh, and then 
and determines whether it will halt or not, or whether we'll get into an infinite loop. Um, now you could you could write something that that reads code and can tell you whether it halts most of the time. I actually think it's it's quite possible, but you can't do. You could always write code that tricks it. That's the yeah. that that's the sort of uh, way the proof goes. So, um, so not everything is computable. But then there are things that are computable, but it's kind of uh, impractical to compute. So it's it's like it takes you know we would say exponential time or even super exponential time where uh, let's where you know it would take till the end of the universe to compute even if the whole universe were turned into a computer or something like that. Um, so a good example what would be a good example of an exponential time algorithm? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Well, uh, solving a Ramsey number or finding a Ramsey solving, number. Yeah, finding a Ramsey number. Uh, that would be a good one. Um, and so then there are ones that are solvable in polynomial time, which is um, more... Well, I mean, here's a good one that's exponential, right? <laughs> if I mean, and this is a very simple one, right? If you want to take a uh, uh, a binary number or even a, like a decimal number and then turn it into a series of ticks. So for example, if I want to take the number 316 and turn it into 316 ones. Um, that's actually exponential time because if you think about it, you can, you, you can write a huge decimal number very easily and then it would be impossible for, for that you wouldn't have the space to store all those, uh, all those ones. So that's actually kind of a simple one. Um, and that's actually one you would actually, you would kind of use on a small scale, like, exponential time is no big deal if you have very small inputs even that 316 is no big deal yeah. so you, you it's uh, if you have small inputs but what happens is in those exponential time algorithms is you, as you want bigger and bigger inputs it becomes untenable whereas polynomial time i'm not going to get i i always make I, I always laugh at this because i've this has come up several times whenever i use the term polynomial or aaron uses the term polynomial like we you, they don't want to hear about polynomial we don't we don't want to hear no it just means that it's less than exponential like it's it's um it could grow very fast still but uh just not that fast so is that a good primer yeah yeah okay so let's say polynomial time is easier um and then there that's p and then there's np which is stuff that is uh, um, verifiable in polynomial time. A good example of that would be, you know, let's suppose I have a thousand-digit number, and I want to, um, and 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 it's the product of two primes. So each of those primes maybe have five hundred digits. Um, find those two primes that make up it. You know, factor it. Uh, that 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 multiply to get that bigger number. That's a really really hard problem. But once you give me those two 500-digit numbers, piece of cake for a computer to store a 500-digit number, piece of cake for a computer to multiply it together. Um, even if you, a human, wanted to spend all day, you could do it. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, you know, you can verify that very fast. So it's verifiable in polynomial time. And then there's always, it hasn't been proven that verifiable, that NP is not equal to p although it's suspected that it, it is not because uh you know there are problems that just seem like you know you'll never be able to solve in polynomial time but i could give you the answer and you could verify it pretty easily 
Yeah, but it's uh, it would be a really easy way to become a millionaire if you <laughs> all you have to do oh, is prove the... that these two things are the same. <laughs> it's one of the millennial problems. Yeah, yeah, it's one okay. of the millennial problems. So we've got polynomial time, exponential time, things that are computable, things that are not computable. Sometimes the rules are frustrating, but I think with classical computers, we all kind of know what the rules are. Um, but now people are starting to research quantum computers. I don't think you and I are going to have a quantum computer, uh, access to a quantum computer anytime soon is, is my, uh, my, my impression. But anyway, all of these rules seem to get thrown out the window and start to become wacky and unintuitive. And I don't know if it's just like, you know, before I studied computer science, maybe the classical rules were unintuitive, but this stuff just seems crazy. It's definitely hard to, it's hard to wrap your head around. Right, right. And so I, I've even looked at trying to research this article, which is, you know, uh, there, there's a breakthrough in quantum computational research. And now instead of P equals NP or P does not equals MP, it's actually proven that MIP star equals RE. And so it's like, all right, so let's, let's try to break that down a little bit. Yeah. So, what do these things so, stand for? Right. So RE is actually pretty simple. It's recursively enumerable. That's all computable problems. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, so there's something that quantum computers can do with any problem that is computable. So it sounds like, you know, we're not talking about the halting problem and stuff, but we're talking still about very, very hard problems. And MIP star is multi-prover interactive proofs. The the best that I can understand as to what's going on, and I'm sure I would love to get like a quantum computer expert on the show to talk more about this. But what I understand about what's going on is that these interactive proofs is that uh, it's not just verifying something. It's uh, you are um, you're kind of going back and forth with the uh, you're like a classical computer and you're going back and forth with a quantum computer who has an answer and they're trying to prove to you that something is true. And so if you could question them and then like probabilistically determine that they're correct in a reasonable amount of time, then something is interactively provable. MIP means you're questioning multiple quantum computers, I think. Yeah. And MIP star means that those multiple quantum computers are allowed to are allowed to communicate with each other via an entangled particle. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Entangled particle. <laughs> right. So that's crazy. So you actually are using this like Einstein's spook. So what's an entangled particle? Um, it means that something happens to a particle in one place and then Instantly, it means that a particle in another place is a different way, but it's not exactly, you know, Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. But from what I can tell, it's not exactly action. It's like, um, it's almost like a, a one of those quantum decisions where you don't know what it is until you observe it. And so once you observe it, it was like the other one was always like this. So it's, um, it's a little bit mind bending, I think. Uh, how do you understand it? Um, I don't really, I don't really, to be honest, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a physics person, like, all right, sure, part, what, what are we going to do if they require all software engineers to, uh, program in quantum computers, or are we just like truck drivers where this is not going to be a problem until way after 
we are uh, uh, done with our careers. <laughs> yes, it, who knows? Who knows? I'm hoping, like, I'm secretly hoping because there's some there's some uh, equivalences with set theory and and yeah. quantum thinking. I'm hoping yeah. that that will help me in this like awkward future. But <laughs> who knows? Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 quantum thinking. That's a good way to put it. Like, how can you think in terms of a quantum computing? Because it's really alien to us uh, who are used to writing code. Um, so anyway, what this is saying is that, um, and then uh, for these interactive provers, again, I'm, I'm having trouble wrapping my head around what the uh, you know what the exact um, application is, but it could be cracking codes. It could be. It could be search, could be like a Google type thing. Uh, yeah. It could be some very complicated type search. Um, so, uh, if, you know, it could be uh, you know, very efficient searches of databases or something like that. So, if, if you could search the whole internet, maybe. Uh, so, if you're talking about MIP, or it could be like searching Ramsey numbers, it says that. Um, if you're doing these interactive, these multi-prover interactive proofs, uh, it's I, I think we we said that it comes down to uh, exponential time. So, yes. okay, so it's not like it could get all these problems in polynomial time, in which case it could decrypt everything and blah 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 blah. But it will right. at least get it down to exponential and not like a super exponential. Is yes. that's what I think is going on? Okay, and and that's any solvable problem can be done in exponential time. So that's pretty crazy. So beyond exponential, once you get into the quantum computers, you don't have to worry about anymore. Almost is what this is, seems to be saying. I, I, you know, this is so, this is such hot off the press stuff that, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's not even, we were trying to, as we were doing research about this, like, first yeah. of all, have you ever tried to just Google MIP? Because <laughs> yeah, no, this is not what comes up. No, <laughs> I even, mean, fortunately, even, it's not some of those search terms where it's like something really bad comes up, but it's like it's totally uh, like other computing things come up that's yes. like not even related. Like, uh, I think it's multi-integer programming or something. Yeah, there there are other yeah. things that have similar <laughs> similar names. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of there's not a whole lot of um, good explanations for things on the Internet. Because uh, so. it's so new. Yeah, it's so new. Yeah. So let me uh, let me quote from this article. Uh, it seems obvious that communication between provers, and they're talking about the uh, the quantumly entangled bit, so it's not necessarily communication, um, I should point out. So it seems obvious that communication between the provers can only serve to help the provers coordinate lies rather than assist the interrogator in discovering the truth. The interrogator is the one that is trying to verify. Uh, for that reason, nobody expected that allowing more communication would make computational problems more reliable and solvable. Surprisingly, we now know that MI P star, that star is the quantum entangled particle, equals RE. This means that quantum communication behaves wildly differently to normal communication. And we said that uh, before because uh, an, an entangled bit, you can't really communicate very well uh, or at all with an entangled bit. It's not really, you're not really sending information. It's just if my, if my bit is one way, I know that your bit is the other way, but we don't really communicate like that. Yeah, but even this like tiny thing makes a huge difference in terms of complexity. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I I'm still trying to wrap my head around this. Like, what is what are problems that these machines 
that we'll be able to solve that uh, we would have trouble solving right now. I am so. <laughs> I hope it's not encryption right away because that would be a big problem. Uh, and it looks like so far it's not. Um, but uh, is it uh, better search? Is it some type of uh, some type of AI we could build that is perhaps? Uh, uh, more flexible than kind of the deep neural networks we have now. Uh, I, th- that's where I'm like, I, I don't know yet. And I think we need to do more research. Yeah. It's, it, I think it would be really interesting. Could be very interesting. I don't know. Just yeah. thinking about, um, so, so we know, we know from, from this, that at least some problems are going from super exponential to exponential. And so, right. There could be things that are going from exponential to polynomial as well. Um, That's true too. I mean, and without being, yeah, without being p equals np, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, no, that that's absolutely true. From my understanding, uh, you know, it's been very difficult to get quantum computers to factorize numbers at any at scale, um, and I don't really know why that is. If you look at quantum code, it looks like uh, something from an alien civilization. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, look, maybe someone would say that about some of my, you know, uh, some machine learning code, but I really think, I don't know. Have is... you ever read Pearl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wrote Pearl once and I remember, uh, somebody, somebody laughing at my code being like, how on earth does anyone understand this? And like, it wasn't like, you know, I probably wouldn't have been able to understand it if I didn't read it, if I didn't write it. Uh, because it's just like stars and parentheses and pluses. And it's yeah. like, yeah, I know what they do, but then it just looks like a random jumble of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah maybe, add symbols too. maybe what is needed is sort of someone to come in because there's a lot of, um, not disdain, but there's, there's, a, there's, there's not enough emphasis sometimes in this research put on simplifying the language in which all these things are expressed. And sometimes that's the most important thing. Sometimes that's, yes. that's what actually makes this stuff useful. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. programming languages are all about, right? If you think about it, uh, you know, research into better programming languages has increased the efficiency of software engineers, you know, who knows, by leaps and bounds. I mean, imagine yeah. if instead I mean, of using when- Python and Scala, we were using assembler or something when when grace hopper first you know suggested using using more human language for uh for programming people laughed at her really yeah and and so uh, what what was the argument against it uh i think it was about like like oh you know these technical types aren't aren't gonna learn these words or like why why change something that we already understand? <laughs> Our people are machines already, <laughs> right? <laughs> How would this help? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to change. I mean, I even feel it myself. Like I hate learning something new. Uh, you know, like if someone says to learn a new language, it took yeah. me a long time to even get on the got get on board with Python for crying out loud. Like. <laughs> You know, well, it's always hard to learn because it's like, well, where where do I start? And what you know, yeah, so it's uh, sure. I could imagine even at the beginning where, but really the like even in mathematics, like the um, the 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 terminology that you use is very important. Like there's there isn't really that deep of an insight, say, going from Roman numerals to uh, Arabic numerals that we use today. Huge difference in terms of 
what you're able to, how fast you're able to do things with. I mean, I guess there is an insight, but it's it's a huge difference in terms of how fast you're able to solve problems. And so I yeah. feel like the language of quantum computers needs to be made more intuitive to humans. And I don't hear anybody mm-hmm. in the quantum space talking about that. Yeah, that would be a, a really beautiful, great thing to do. I feel like, you know, in, in when it comes to to software products, like we have, you know, we have people focused on UX, but in right. the scientific and mathematical community, there's no UX person. <laughs> you know, there there absolutely should be in like a mathematics, in a pure mathematics department, there should be a UX person. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. Um, no, I, all right. I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I feel like we we touched on some themes today. First theme is that yeah, it's 2021, folks. We're not messing around. Second theme <laughs> is uh, um, second theme is that in terms of just basic computation, uh, there's still so much stuff to be discovered that is actually uh, going to reverberate quickly through the world of computing into. I think real world implications, even even Ramsey theory, just like the the idea of you go from like complexity theory into quantum computing into all this. I I feel like it's just going to um, people are just it, it kind of flows into AI. What problems can we solve fast? Yeah, um, yeah. We, and we were kind of uh, missing that. Like, what what's the what's the point of this? Like, what what can we yeah. know from it? Yeah, yeah. And but but I think that the theme today is that. Uh, these uh these the computation is still an active field and it's fascinating for anyone who wants to uh, uh dip their toes into it um all right Miriam, any last thoughts uh from you before we wrap up um no i i really enjoyed getting getting a platform to talk about ramsey theory i never thought that would happen um so it's been it's been an exciting day for me <laughs> yes that's uh, that's uh, it's a good way to start the year. All right, so Miriam, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for your time and thank you, uh, for uh, for uh, being my uh, sometimes fill in uh, co host. And uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. And uh, yeah, have a great week, everyone. Happy New Year, everyone. That's the show. To support the local maximum, sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.